to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, bringing you today's episode, which is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Of course, the preseason best ball contests are over as the season's underway, but still plenty of best ball to be played, both weekly and rest of season contests over on Underdog Fantasy. If you use promo code ETR, you can get up to $100 in free entries. So again, they'll match your first deposit up to $100. So fun way to play fantasy in season. Make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy and use promo code ETR. Okay, so for today's episode, I'm going to talk about my trip to Vegas last week and drafting some live drafts in the FFPC and NFFC. Before I get into that, do want to apologize for kind of the long delay from the last episode. Just got really busy between that trip and getting ready for DFS week one and everything and got a bit overwhelmed. So wanted to pump out some more podcasts right before draft season finished, but wasn't able to do that. Thanks for those of you that have been patient, sticking around, waiting for another episode. If you're not interested in hearing about my Vegas trip and recapping some live drafts out there, which I don't blame you, season's underway, you have no drafts to do, then uh, feel free to skip this episode. I will be posting two episodes back to back and the second episode will be quick reactions to week one and that'll be a lot more actionable stuff. But if you are interested in hearing my trip to Vegas, uh, it was my first time out to Las Vegas to draft live fantasy football teams. Previously, like five, 10 years ago, I used to go to New York City a ton to draft NFBC baseball teams with my friend Joshua, who lives out of New York City. And those were so much fun. We felt like we had a, a real good beat on the auctions out there and we had sort of a new strategy for the main events there. And it was just a blast, the camaraderie with him doing that and entering a room. And at the time we were pretty young and there were a lot of established you know, players in those formats that didn't know who we were. And you know, just the challenge of it all was a lot of fun. Fast forward to today and a little bit of a different experience out in Las Vegas where um, a lot of subscribers I met out there, a lot of friends out there, a lot of people knew who I was. So weren't, weren't flying under the radar. I also drafted all the teams by myself, though I did have some. I drafted both my FFPC teams by myself. I had an NFFC team that I drafted with Pat Corain, Ben Gretsch, and Peter Overset of Ship Chasing, which was a ton of fun. I'll get into that in a little bit. But the FFPC drafts, the first two I did out there were by myself. So a little bit of a different experience. It was definitely great to be out there. Uh, you know, seeing the ship chasing guys who I've become real close with and just haven't met in person a lot. I met Pete and Pat for the first time earlier this year. So it's only the second time I met them. The first time I met Gretch in person. So it was great to see them. It was great to see a lot of the subscribers to ETR and people who watch us on ship chasing. They listen to ET. They follow the established to run stuff. So that was really neat, cool experience for me. And, um, but yeah, in general, man, it, it was just kind of like, it's just a different environment when you're drafting live out there. Everyone's trying to win a ton of money. Everybody has different ideas of how to do so, but um, it was sweltering. Oh my God. It was like 110 degrees and that, that heat hits different. I was thinking it wouldn't be too bad. You'd step outside with no sun eight o'clock at night and it still would just hit you like a brick wall. Um. But yeah, so I'll go through the teams. Yeah, enough of me rambling about the trip. I'm going to go through the teams that I drafted. Do encourage everyone to try and get there live. Oh, another thing that a cool moment for me when we were out there live, one of the local radio hosts here in Buffalo, one of the primary ones, Mike Shope of WGR, 
550 was out there as well. So there was like this Buffalo contingent out there. That was really neat. Him and Peter Overset were playing beer pong. So it was like worlds colliding for me where uh, I'm watching my friend Peter from fantasy and this guy that I've grown up listening to on the radio for years and years and years talk about the Bills playing beer pong together. That was wild. A great Buffalo contingent had an awesome dinner with Gretch, Mike, our friend Louie, and the three guys that make up the Go Bills team that won the FFPC main event last year. So Buffalo was representing well. Did play credit card roulette at that dinner. Took my first ever L. Brutal L in credit card roulette. If you ever play credit card roulette, you have to do this style where you eliminate one card at a time. Just build the absolute max climax that you possibly can. The drama was huge. It was down to me and uh, one, of, one of the other guys from the Go Bills team. We had this awesome steak dinner. Uh, it tasted really good, and I'm glad it tasted really good. It was a special dinner because I I paid for it for everyone. So uh, that was a great time. Last sidetrack personal story, I, I promise, though. But the first draft I did out there was the 10K FFPC High Society League, 10K entry, self-contained 12-team league. And me and the ETR guys have been wanting to do this for a while. So I was chatting with them on Slack during the draft. And one cool thing about this league, 15 minutes before the draft, you draw cards one through 12. And the card you draw is you, is not necessarily your draft order, but that's your turn to pick your draft slot. So I drew card three. I believe draft slots seven and one were taken. I took two hoping to get CMC at running back. And just knowing how wide receiver heavy I draft and understanding that it's a 12-team league and I might not want to go as extreme zero RB as I often do. I wanted that top pick to get a running back. So I drew the two selection. What ends up happening is Christian McCaffrey goes and I take Jonathan Taylor, second overall, which already looks better after week one than I thought uh, it was going into the week. It was tough. Our ranks did have the receivers Jefferson Cup ahead of him and Jefferson Cup have monster week ones and you're already sort of kicking yourself for capitulating a little bit. But the way this team worked out structurally, I'm fine with taking JT one overall. Get to the two, three turn. Easy decision for me to go receiver, receiver. Went T Higgins and then Tyreek Hill. Uh, In hindsight, after one week, I would love to have gone AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill. Um, T Higgins has the concussion. AJ Brown looks like a true alpha. Tyreek Hill Looks like he's ahead of Jalen Waddell in the target tree for Miami. And Miami has a big pass rate over expectation. But still pretty happy to get T. Higgins, Tyreek Hill. I still think the T. Higgins upside is quite massive. And there's some contingent upside if Jamar Chase gets hurt. Jamar Chase somehow falls to 11 in this draft, by the way. But the guy who drafted out of 11 took Najee in round two, which is eh. Takes Josh Jacobs at 4-2, though. Akers at 6-2. So that team is going to struggle. Also took DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Gallup. So not a lot of early production for that team. So if a team's going to get a falling value like that, that's sort of how you want it to turn out. 4-5, I know I'm going wide receiver, wide receiver again. Even though it's two wide receivers, two flexes here, um, I know I still want to start four wide receivers if I can. The one tough part about being early is you really don't have a chance at any league tight end. You know, Pitts and Andrews don't make it back to the two, three turn. Waller is, you can't take it two, three. That's too early. He doesn't make it back at the four, five turn. I would have taken him there. 
and then Kittle with the injury, which we knew about going into this draft, we just weren't touching Kittle until six, seven. So no chance of the elite tight end go Jerry, Judy, Juju Smith, Schuster, really pumped about that turn. Um, I think Juju's going to have a massive season and I think Judy is undervalued. He goes wide receiver 23, Sutton goes wide receiver 12, loves Sutton. Sutton goes to Chad Schroeder of cocktails and dreams, really sharp drafter. So, uh, Definitely don't have an anti-sudden take, just kind of a pro. Like I'd take either one of them if they fell to round four and try not to be too picky about which one I think is going to be the better receiver there. Six, seven turn gets a little hairy. J.K. Dobbins goes before my pick six, seven. Still probably wouldn't have picked him with the injury concerns going in and already having an anchor running back. This is where I decide to pull the trigger on elite quarterback. Go Patrick Mahomes to pair with Juju Smith-Schuster, get that stack, and then I come back and get Drake London. There really weren't two wide receivers I loved there. We started as high as we were on Kadarius Tony all offseason. We started to sour on him a little bit towards the tail end of the offseason with some of the you know, stuff that Evan Silva was putting out and concerns about Tony possibly being in the doghouse. And then Brandon Ayuk is someone that you know from a, a high level makes a lot of sense there, but and you'll see we did end up taking him in round six in the NFFC 10K I did. But for me, it just wasn't one of my personal targets. So I was happy to get Mahomes, London, London giving some upside wide receiver on the bench because, again, we want to be able to start four wide receivers a week, even when bye weeks and injuries hit. Then we get to the 8-9 turn. And this is where I took a player I really am not that high on. Uh, I just thought the value was good. That's Dawson Knox as TE10 who we had, I think we actually had someone else like technically ranked ahead, but we were shooting for a little bit more upside with Knox, who usually doesn't fall this late. So took Knox there. was in no man's land a little bit where didn't need to go RBRB with the Jonathan Taylor anchor running back start. Could have maybe gone one more rookie wide receiver here. You'll see in round nine, George Pickens goes, Sky Moore goes, Traylon Burks goes. So it would, you know, possibly could have done that. Um, nine, I back it up with Miles Sanders, who I think is going to be a very, I don't think he has a huge ceiling, but I think he's going to be a pretty usable running back most of the season. And in a self-contained 12-team league, I think that's a really solid pick there. You don't want to take guys like Miles Sanders in round seven. Round nine, they're completely fine. I was very hopeful at 10-11, I would get another upside running back I like. And this is where I just, you know, again, the Knox pick in retrospect looks worse. And maybe I could have gone RBRB at eight, nine, because so many of the, all the running backs I wanted went. Michael Carter goes immediately after five, six picks later, we get a run of Damien Harrison, James Cook, Daryl Henderson. Then I'm like, okay, maybe like Kenneth Walker. I think I think Walker and Traylon Burks are league winners. Neither of them come back. They go at the end of round nine. They don't even come close. Then we have a break here at the live draft. And then it starts off immediately with the top two guys on my list. Chase Claypool, Melvin Gordon. I'm like, Okay, I still got Rashad White. Would love Rashad White. Right before me, Rashad White, Alexander Madison, James Robinson go. Uh, Rondell Moore won in that flurry. Albert O won in that flurry, a tight end upside I would have taken. So uh, really left me in a tough spot at nine or at the 10, 11 turn, quite frankly. End up going Kenny Gainwell, not intentionally handcuffing the running back spots there with him and Miles Sanders. Just sort of, 
you know, he was the best back left on the board. The board got ravaged and I was trying not to overthink it that it's two running backs on the same team. And again, also a 12 team contained league. I don't need like the max max upside here, although we still want to shoot for quite a bit of upside. So go good gain. Well, on the way back, I take Romeo Dobbs. Uh, this was another close one. There are a few wide receivers in play here. Tyler Boyd is kind of a safer veteran type that still has a little bit of upside was near the, the high end of our board. Tyler Lockett kind of similar bold as Tyler Boyd. Other kind of younger players that were options, Wandell Robinson, Garrett Wilson, Joshua Palmer. But one with Romeo Dobbs just kind of wanted to swing on the uncertainty of the Green Bay situation for, you know, a young rookie wide receiver, sort of like uncertainty layered with uncertainty. I was happy I went with Dobbs because I ended up not getting necessarily the wide receiver depth that I wanted. 12-13 turn, I get Gerald Everett there. Figured it made a lot of sense to go tight end too. Again, just and we're already starting him week two over Dawson Knox with Keenan Allen out in the game environment, looking really good there for Kansas City LAC. Took Everett there, and then was just kind of hammering upside running back pieces at that point. Went JD McKissick, Tyrion Davis Price, Isaiah Spiller. Um, I don't know if those were the best options to take. I like the McKissick pick with Robinson out for a bit in the team. A kind of souring on Antonio Gibson. The TD pick was maybe a little early for a guy that, you know, I take TDP before Jeff, or no, I took him after Jeff Wilson went off the board. Actually, Jalen Warren and Tyler Algier went um, before. So after I took McKissick, you know, Benjamin went, Jamal Williams went. Again, like kind of a big running back run. So at this point, I'm just taking guys I know are long-term holds, which kind of sucks because it's hard to churn the roster spot. But TDP and Spiller, I'm taking kind of upside rookie running backs, but guys that aren't, you know, we, we saw Eli Mitchell get hurt and we are, we don't even know if TDP's RB2, you know, Jeff Wilson's in front of him and it's kind of split behind Jeff Wilson between TDP and Jordan Mason. So that's a tough pick. I know Spiller is a tough one too, where Josh Kelly and Sony Michelle play, even though Spiller is healthy and back from that ankle injury, just tough to get those, those long-term holds. So not sure if that was the best choice. Was stuck in no man's land a little bit there. Maybe should have just gone with another wide receiver at that point and taken the running back lottery pick later. But as I said, the running backs were flying off the shelves here. At the 16-17 turn, take Kyron Williams of the Rams. And I thought this was a really good pick because this was on Thursday morning before that Rams-Bills game got played. FFPC allows you to drop a player that's on your bench that played on Thursday for the Saturday fab. So in some ways it's a free look. And I think Kyron Williams played a lot and it was a good handcuff, but he gets hurt right away. I can drop him over the weekend. So I kind of get a second lottery ticket out of it. So that's why I took Kyron Williams, took Sammy Watkins on the way back. And I thought at that point, you know, Silva's on him. I've got Dobbs. You know, it's kind of two cracks at this Green Bay situation, even though I think the upside's a lot lower for Watkins, you know, given his age and whatnot and what we've seen out of him. So uh, really wanted to take a shot then at a rookie wide receiver. Just actually before Watkins came back was when I wanted to take a shot at a rookie wide receiver. Um, but David Actually, let me do it in order. Alec Pierce went, who was on my list. 
Jamison Williams, I was really targeting because I think his timeline's a little bit quicker than people have realized. And it's a team where I could afford to stash him long-term and Christian Watson went. Those were the three guys that went before I took Sammy Watkins. So like, okay, David Bell's, you know, he'll at least make it back. I'll give my rookie upside stash. David Bell goes. So that's also part of the reason why I landed on Watkins was all those rookie wide receivers I wanted to stash went, which was kind of unfortunate because again, as strong as my team looks at wide receiver, it's I, I, I like to have a little bit more firepower there, especially with the the anchor RB approach with Jonathan Taylor. I don't need quite as many running back dart throws on the bench. So that's how that team turned out. Took a really tough loss week one, lost by like three points to the highest scoring team of the entire week needed a little bit more Judy at the uh, final drive there for Denver, but team shaping up to look really good. Really excited about early season stuff from JT, from Judy, from Juju, from Tyreek Hill. Um, So, so pretty pumped about it. The other team that I want to talk about real quick is the NFC 10 K team that I drafted with the ship chasing guys. I also did an auction out there by myself, but I don't want to drag on too long. Um, we'll go to the draft board here. This was a tough room. You have to start three wide receivers. And I've noticed that the sharper NFC drafters have really come around to drafting wide receivers early. And we like to do that. So that was tough. This draft took place after the Thursday night football game. When we had our choice of draft spot, one through six were taken. And we thought about with three-round reversal going towards the tail end of the draft. But we wanted to go seventh. Thought there was a decent chance we'd get Diggs or Chase. Really thought Chase might fall and someone would take Eckler earlier because Diggs had that big game. So we thought he would get taken. And then uh, Chad Schroeder ends up taking Chase at six. He had taken Eckler in the FFPC draft in that spot. So we were kind of bummed when he took Chase, but Chad clearly adjusting for the tweak in the format instead of two wide receiver, two flex, three wide receiver, one flex. That was obviously enough for him to go Chase instead of Eckler there. So we take Eckler. We didn't feel great about it. We were kind of resigned. Again, if this was a main event, I think we would have taken Devonta Adams and still gone zero RB. But the way we had sort of lined this draft out is we knew we would get AJ Brown in round two. And we were fine taking AJ Brown over all the other wide receivers. Again, I took Higgins and Tyree. I took T Higgins ahead of AJ Brown in the FFPC, kind of regretting that. Um, but thankfully, my co-managers here were really on AJ Brown. We kind of universally had agreed ahead of time that we're going AJ Brown in round two, almost no matter what we do in round one. So take AJ Brown. Round three, this was a tough one where we think the elite tight ends undervalued in NFC, but the but the tight ends in general are undervalued. So you sort of have to play the market that you're in. And it was tough here to know if we should go wide receiver, elite tight end. And then if we do go elite tight end, do we take Kyle Pitts or Mark Andrews? I prefer Mark, Mark Andrews a little bit there, but you know Ben and Peter are really in on Kyle Pitts. I think Pat Crane, it was a four-team team was also on the Mark Andrews side with me. So it was kind of a 2v2 there, but we had sort of pre-decided that tiebreaker would go to Kyle Pitts. Really fun pick there. Um, And then coming back in round four, we know we absolutely have to hit wide receiver and we were over the moon that in this wide receiver heavy draft, Jalen Waddell 
falls to us, we take him there. And then we get a horrible turn at five, six, something we had kind of planned for, but every conceivable wide receiver goes at that point. McLaurin goes, Bateman goes, Juju goes, Godwin goes, Judy goes, Mooney goes, Metcalf goes. Kind of our last option uh, of the receivers, Elijah Moore, he goes. Another situation, again, we've mapped out ahead of time, which is if this happens, let's take Brees Hall who we think is league winning upside down the stretch and we're okay being a little bit safer at running back in a self-contained 12 team league. And then we'll just draft every wide receiver imaginable and we'll be pretty disciplined waiting on late round quarterback. Now waiting on late round quarterback can be a bit tougher in this format because it's one point per 20 yards passing and six points per passing TD. So the quarterback position matters a bit more. And I do like that scoring system. But with taking two running backs and a tight end in the first five rounds, we really think we had no choice other than to take a ton of dart throws at wide receiver. So we start with Ayuk and six. Again, not one of my favorite options. And again, you see where the tight ends last. Like Waller goes late six. I do think in hindsight, I'd rather have Waller in six and like Amon Ra in three or Gabe, Gabe, like Gabe Davis Waller to me is better than Ayuk Pitts in hindsight. We didn't know Waller would last to late six, but it was a possibility. It's not completely you know, crazy based on the ADP we've been looking at coming in. But we basically decided, again, that we're just taking breakout wide receivers and we're not overthinking price tag at this point. We're not saying, oh, Brandon Ayuk isn't worth the sixth round pick with him. Brandon Ayuk's profile we want to target. The only way we can get four potential breakout wide receivers is if we take one now and we keep taking them and we don't overthink the price tag. And we stuck to our guns on that. So we take Ayuk in six, Burks in seven, Skymore in eight. Nine comes along, and this is where I wanted Chase Claypool because I think Claypool did give us some startability early for these rookies like Burks and Moore that we know we're not going to be able to play out of the gate. But we had uh, some basically difference of opinion on Claypool there. So instead of going Claypool, we lock in Trey Lance because we did wait on QB about as long as we could. It was kind of at that point, Lance and Brady were the clear last two in our opinion. And Dak had gone. So it was kind of like we knew once it was down to those three, we wanted one of them. We were waiting till one of them went. And then you get the natural stack, Lance with Ayuk. The stack really for me is what put in favor of Lance. The scoring system, much favors Brady. I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all. Brady outscores Lance, but we're sort of already making a bet on the constru- construction of this team that Ayuk's going to be good. And if Ayuk's going to be good, Lance is probably going to be good. Come back in 10. Again, pepper the rookie wide receivers, Garrett Wilson. Round 11, we go off script a little bit with Julio Jones, a guy neither of us tend to draft a lot, but it was sort of like the discount clay pool where we want a guy we can start early and we can play until these rookie wide receivers have time. And generally, our teams are stronger at wide receiver out of the gate. That we're, that guy like Julio probably doesn't have the season-long end-of-season upside that we want, and we're not going to start him right away. Well, now we have a situation where we're going to start him right away. So not taking Claypool in nine in some ways worked out because it solidified our stack of Lance and Ayuk. We get the upside pick in Garrett Wilson, and then we still get that startable guy in Julio Jones. Round 12, we took Rondell Moore, even knowing he was hurt, just because we figured we we just need to keep peppering wide receiver upside when there's not a lot left of it. And then at that point, you know, you're starting to hit your backup running backs. I got TDP again. We were really happy to get Algier and McKinnon 
where we got them was kind of bummed to not get, you know, Benjamin. Um, but that's just the way it fell. Took TDP late. Samaj P. Ryan undervalued handcuff. He's clearly the RB2 right now in Cincinnati, even though people love Chris Evans. And we even took a tight end two and Albert O because we think the upside's large enough that it's worth that. And he could actually, you know, potentially be a flex play at times for us. We're already in week two facing some decisions of Julio Jones is out where you know, we probably don't start Albert O over Traylon Burks, but it's a possibility. So I, this, I'm proud of this draft is something where we, we did a good job planning ahead. We did a good job being disciplined and we did a good job kind of taking what the draft gave us. So we didn't force ourselves to go insanely wide receiver heavy early. We got off the build a little bit because we thought it made sense with the Eckler, Pitts and Hall picks. And then we structurally made up for it by just pounding the wide receiver upside. Tough start for that team week one, but I'm still optimistic of it over the course of the season. All right. That's enough of me rambling about my Vegas high stakes draft. Hopefully, you know, hearing me talk through this helped you a little bit in case you do, you know, drafts like this next year or just in your your own 12 team leagues and hope to see people out at some live drafts in the future. I don't know if I'll make it to Vegas the week of the season. That's kind of a tough turnaround, but start drafts in New York City the week prior to that. That's really the money spot for me to so trying to hit up those drafts for sure. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. As I noted, we'll have a podcast posted right after this one talking about week one initial reactions. Thank you.